Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is Todd Hicksonball. Today, we are going to be learning about public speaking and communicating to an audience. And joining us for that conversation will be Brandon Connor. Now, Brandon is a personal friend of both Caleb and I. Um, he's been a mentor for both of us. We worked with him for several years. Um, and he is just a person who both of us have always looked up to as somebody who is able to communicate well to crowds. Um, we've watched him do this multiple times just in person. And, and we've always just respected the way he's able to do that. And so today, we wanted to bring him on and give us just some of his his quick tips, some things that he's picked up, some things that he's learned about how we can effectively communicate with others. But, but it's not just that, it's, it's the process too. And so Brandon talks with us about everything that has to do with the process leading up to and during the speaking engagement. And so he just goes through and, and gives us all this, this, just this great, great knowledge for how to begin to do this. Yeah, and if you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm not a communicator, you know, I'm not a preacher, I don't have to give speeches, you know, formal speeches or anything like that, here's why you need to listen. Because at some point, you will have to communicate something. At some point, you will have to sell maybe your boss, maybe a team member, whoever it may be, on an idea. And you can take some of these principles that Brandon talks about and apply them to that because everybody communicates and everybody is a communicator. And so we're super excited about this conversation and we're gonna join our conversation with Brandon Connor about public speaking right now. Well, welcome to the podcast, Brandon Connor. Hey guys, it's good to be with you today. Brandon, we wanna talk with you about communicating with other people today and really speaking towards them. But before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on at Mosaic? Yeah, I've been down here for about four months now, and so I'm um, really just working on things for the first 100 days to try to get settled in, primarily building a lot of relationships and then just faithfully teaching the truth of the Bible to the people here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. We're off to a great start. The people have been very welcoming, and uh, winter has been far better on the coast than it ever was in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Is Are there beaches near you? Yeah, we live about a mile from the beach, and so uh, we get to watch a lot of sunsets on the Gulf Coast. Uh, well, it's, it's it's pretty nice. Just so you know, today it's raining and in the low 50s in Ohio. What? In Ohio? Yeah. <laughs> Rain and clouds. Yeah. Well, the weather may not be great up there, but I really do miss all the people. I mean, uh, the people up in Northeast Ohio were great to me and my family, and we love and miss you guys. Same. Yep. Well, as we get started with this topic, the first question we want to ask you is, you know, why is it important for people to learn how to communicate to others and specifically talk about, you know, speaking or teaching other people? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think, you know, as I think about the importance of communication, um, typically speaking, whether you're you know teaching from the stage or whether you're in small groups or in a business meeting or even a one on one setting, the most persuasive communicator in the room is usually the most influential person. And so they're inevitably perceived as the leader. In fact, Gary Bredfeld, he wrote a book once about the life of Jesus. And he called the book, Great Leader, Great Teacher. 
And what he argues in the book is that Jesus was not a great leader because of the large crowds that were fully devoted to following him at the end of his life. Instead, Jesus was really a great leader because he was a great teacher and a great communicator of some really important ideas that people long to have answers for. And so Jesus, if you read about his life and everywhere he goes, he is constantly teaching. He's teaching on the road. He's teaching in the synagogue. He's teaching by a lake. He's teaching small groups. He's teaching in one-on-one settings with Nicodemus. He's teaching the masses when he's communicating to more than 5,000 people. And and what Breadfelt argues in the book is that ultimately Jesus was a great leader who is influencing people today almost 2,000 years after he left this earth. And he's influencing us because He was a persuasive communicator of great ideas. And so what I hope we can understand is that if we get really, really good at communicating and we can do it in an effective way, then we can actually influence people long after we're dead and gone from this earth. And so I really do think it has implications for the way that we interact with others today, but even after we're gone. So what what would you say would be like some best practices like for communicating? Yeah, um, I think there's a number of them. I think one, um, you have to hook your audience very quickly. Um, I I hear communicators a lot when they stand up on a stage or when they start a group and kind of start with um, inferior subjects. Maybe they're making announcements. Maybe they're, you know, catching people up to speed on things that have happened over the course of the weekend that are really maybe irrelevant to what the talk is really going to be about. And so I think communicators who are really effective, they have an ability to hook the audience very quickly, usually within the first few minutes. And so maybe it's a a heavy question that causes the audience to think. Maybe it's a funny story, a personal illustration. Maybe it's a prop or an object lesson that they use, but there's something out of the gate that captures the audience's attention. And if you don't have the audience in the first few minutes, you probably won't have them 35, 40 minutes later. So you have to hook people quickly. Um, I would say you also need to really listen to your audience. And so um, for me, there are times when if I'm developing a talk, I'm trying to have conversations with people who will be in the audience so that I can understand what they're thinking, so that I can get feedback on how they perceive the issue that we're going to be dealing with, what kind of struggle is that for them in their in their very real everyday life. And so I either listen to them um, as I'm developing the talk, whether it be over coffee or lunch or breakfast, or um, sometimes I even have imaginary conversations with people in my head. I know that may sound weird, but I try to think through, you know, how would my buddy Greg, you know, understand this talk? What would Susie say, given what's going on in her family, if she could have a conversation with me? And so I think we have to do our best to really listen to our audience, whether it be in a real conversation or maybe even an imaginary one, so that we can speak to them in a very personal way. Um, another thing that I've developed over um, you know, the course of trying to be a better communicator is I've developed some filter questions. And I think if people develop filter questions, then they can really assess whether or not they're ready to give a talk before they give it. So some of the questions that I use would be things like, what do I want people to know? Um, What do I want people to feel? What do I want people to do? How am I going to help them remember it? 
What does this text teach me about who God is? And the list could go on and on and on. But if you have some filter questions that you can ask yourself, then you can determine, is am I really ready to give this talk before I actually give it? And so those are some of the things that I've tried to do. And then maybe one other uh, that's popping into my head is I think there's real value in humor. Um, and so I think anytime you can help people laugh, then they're going to enjoy themselves and they're going to stay engaged with you as a communicator. So those are just some of the things that I think are typical best practices of effective communicators. So how much practice is going in beforehand, before like on a Sunday whenever you give your message? Like how much practice during the week um, are you putting in? And are you developing this stuff weeks out? Like, or is it I'm developing these things each week? I'm developing things weeks out in advance. Like, how does this work for you? Yeah, for me, uh, right now, um, I'm developing most of my stuff the week of. Now, I would not say that that's a best practice. Um, it's just kind of the nature of settling into a new role um, and trying to play catch up. Ultimately, my desire would be to get out in front of it, you know, a couple of weeks and have these things written and developed so that the team around me can enhance the message that we're trying to communicate in the weekend services. And so are you practicing these things too? So you're developing it and then are you are you the are you the Saturday night pastor who's preaching it to his wife first? <laughs> I don't preach it to my wife, but I do preach it to an empty room. And so I will uh, spend some time communicating it out loud. In fact, toward the end of the week, I usually get a text from my wife um, and she says, preach it out loud, which is just a reminder that your messages are always a little bit better when you take the time to preach it out loud. And so if you if you have a wife, she probably does the same thing to you. If you don't, you need to find someone who will give you those subtle reminders because they love you and they care about the work that you do as a communicator. Talk, talk a little bit more about that. You know, talk about the difference between, you know, I ha like I'm rehearsing in my head versus like I'm actually like speaking the words. Like how, how do you think that helps you more like speaking out loud? Yeah. Yeah. Rehearsing in your head usually, I think, focuses you on the quality of your content, not the quality of your presentation. And so, um, you know, when I was in seminary, I had a, a preaching professor who used to say that what you say is more important than how you say it. But how you say it has never been more important. And so for me, if, that, if I don't verbalize it and if I don't say it out loud, then I can't hear how am I really going to communicate this. And so tone of speech, rate of speech, it has a major impact on people's ability to listen and to stay engaged. And so you can say the same words in many different ways and it has many different impacts. And so you want to not just focus on what's the content that I'm going to deliver, but how am I going to deliver this content is equally important. You said that you, you preach or speak to like an empty room. That's got to be awkward, right? Oh, yeah. Big time. Especially <laughs> if someone walks into the empty room <laughs> while you're doing it. <laughs> so is, is that just one of the things that, I mean, you just got to fight through anyway? Yeah. I mean, you know, there are aspects of everyone's job that they don't enjoy. And I think if you're a communicator, there are going to be pieces of the communication development process that you may not enjoy. It's always fun to deliver a great message to a live audience and see them engaged and see the impact that the message 
has on their life and follow-up conversations. But it's the work that goes into it that's sometimes tedious. Um, sometimes it's uh, it's not fun, but you know that because you've developed the process, it has the end result that you're really shooting for. So what are some of the things that you've done to help like sharpen your communication skills? Yeah, there's a couple of guys um, that most of our listeners are probably familiar with. Their names are Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. And these are guys are football coaches. And um, one of the things that they talk about in terms of developing teams that can compete at the championship level every year is they talk about this concept of perfecting the process. And I think this is not just something that works well for football coaches. I think it works really well for communicators because ultimately what we're doing every week as we develop a message is we're actually working through a manufacturing process. We're not manufacturing uh, a tangible product, but we are manufacturing a message that's going to be delivered to dozens, hundreds, or maybe even thousands of people. And so one of the things I've done to improve my communication is I've worked really hard at defining the process and then perfecting the process. And so for me, there are 10 steps of the process that I work through every week. And I know that if I've given adequate time and attention to each step in the process, then by the time I step up on the stage, I'm ready to go. And so um, I'll lay these 10 out for you very quickly. Um, the first step in the process for me is to pray. Um, you know, I, I am communicating truth from God's word, and I know that God has the ability to give me insight and wisdom that I'm not going to get in my own power. In fact, in Luke 24, Jesus said that Luke tells us that Jesus opened their eyes so that they could understand the scriptures. And I need God to do that for me before I try to communicate it to others. So I pray. The second step of the process is I do research. And so I read commentaries. I listen to other teachers. I do my best to really understand the original meaning of the text. Um, step three is I try to think creatively about how to make this relevant and applicable to a person's life. And so that's where I'm going into those imaginary conversations. That's where I'm doing research and pop culture websites to see how does this truth intersect with a person's life. The next step in the process for me is, again, one of those really tedious steps in the process that I don't enjoy, but I know it's critical if I'm going to be effective. I have to write out my message. Now, some people are going to go, there's no way I'm doing that. I write out my message word for word. And so I develop an entire manuscript and that takes me about three or four hours to do it. But again, it's a critical step of the process for me. Then I teach it out loud. Real quick, Brandon. Oh, yeah. For your manuscript, how long <laughs> does that end up typically being? Like how many pages? Yeah, it's usually around eight. Um, and, and you need to know that it's not like literally every single word in paragraph form. Um, so I'll have a, a big idea and then I might have four bullet points, but the bullet points then in and of themselves are written word for word, but they're not just consecutive paragraphs. And so it usually comes out to about eight. And if you do it enough, then you can typically just look at the length of the document and determine, yeah, I think I'm going to be on time at the 35 or the 40 minute target mark, whatever your target is, or I'm going to be short or I'm going to be long. So for me, it's typically about eight pages with some major headings, some bullet points, things like that. Gotcha. Great. 
Uh, after I write it out um, in manuscript, I teach it out loud. Um, and so this is, you know, I don't just have my content that's developed. I'm thinking about how I'm going to deliver that content. Then I invite people to give me some unfiltered feedback. Uh, I need those people who can be truthful with me. I need people who can be honest. I need people who can um, who can speak the truth in love, um, but not hold any punches back. Um, after I get feedback, I make edits. Um, then I study um, what I've I've put down on paper. I pray. I teach it. Um, live in our weekend services on Saturday night and Sunday mornings. And then I actually go back and try to listen to the message, which may be the most painful part of the entire process because no communicator actually <laughs> enjoys hearing themselves talk. So for me, like there's, there's a 10 step process. And I just know that if I follow that process, I can develop a, a quality message that will um, be used by God to have an impact on people's lives. And if I don't follow the process, um, it may not be all that I want it to be. And I'm just not going to feel as good about the final product. When you're reviewing your message, are you looking for something specific? Or are you just kind of listening through to find anything that you can improve upon? Yeah, um, part of it is, um, for me, a big part of it is rate of speech and tone. Um, when I when I deliver my messages, um, I think sometimes if I don't have a lot of confidence early on, um, I can try to manufacture energy to get the audience engaged, and and that doesn't usually work well for me. The other thing that I'm looking at is really assessing um, my introduction. One of the things that I know about myself as a communicator is I so want to hook my audience that sometimes I have a tendency to make a really long introduction and then I shortchange meaningful, important content on the back end. And so I know some of my defaults um, and some of my um, maybe unhealthy habits in communication. And so I try to watch for those to see if they're creeping into a message. And then I try to eliminate them before I actually deliver it. So what, what would you say are, you know, a couple of things that most communicators underestimate? Yeah. Um, well, I think every um, every message that's delivered has two really important components, content and presentation. We've already talked about this, but inevitably, I think what happens is people, they fall into maybe one of four camps. And so you have some people who care a lot about content and they deliver quality content every time they speak, but their presentation can be sorry. Okay. And so we don't want that. We have other people who have great presentation skills, so quality presentation, but they have sorry content. Um, and so they underestimate the importance of of saying things that are enlightening rather than playing Captain Obvious. They underestimate the importance of saying things that are relevant to a person's life. They just haven't developed content that's going to be life-changing. You have other people who have sorry presentations and sorry content. They're just terrible and no one ever wants to listen to them. But then you have that fourth category of people who just have an ability to offer quality content that really makes people think with a quality presentation that keeps people engaged. And so I think most people underestimate the importance of those two elements in any message. You have to have great content and a great presentation style. And if you just have one or the other, um, you're never going to, you're never going to have the impact that God would want you to have on your audience. 
So, you know, one of the things whenever it comes to especially communicating, um, you know, from the scripture, but even, you know, there's some there can be a tendency to have a very complex idea, whether it's from the scripture or whether it's, you know, something that you're trying to communicate. How do you try to take these very complex ideas and make it very simple so that like your entire audience knows exactly what you're talking about? Yeah. Um, If you're smart. This is really, really hard um, because you can understand really complex ideas that other people, they just can't even begin to wrap wrap their minds around. Um, Thankfully, I'm not very smart. (laughs) And so um, for me, if I'm going to communicate a really complex idea, I've got to take a lot of time to ask questions to the point that I can repeat the concept in my own words. And so I just ask a lot of questions. I'll continue in the research phase until I feel like I grasp this complex concept in a way that I can repeat it in my own words, or maybe I can illustrate it with a powerful story or an object lesson that will turn the light bulb on for people. So who are, who are some of the people that you look to, um, to learn from communication, Brandon? Yeah, I was a communication major in college, and so, um, so I know that he's – say that again? So yourself. Yeah, yeah, basically. No. Um, so here's what I would say, though. I would say that there are colleges all around us throughout America, and there are often communication classes that are offered at those colleges. And so I would encourage our listeners to even look into some of those possibilities um, so that they can learn from from um, people who are studying communication and teaching it um, in your local community. In terms of um, other people, what I would say is, is um, for me, I've had to learn to um, to study communicators who have a style that is similar to my natural style. And so I look to people like Louis Giglio and Andy Stanley, a Bill Hybels. If if you listen to me talk, you would probably go, oh, my gosh, like I hear hints of Louis in him. And it's because Louis had a, a big impact. I don't know him on a personal level. I know I'm saying him like it's a first name basis. But but I've listened to him so much that part of him probably does creep into me. But I listen to those men because I think, man, that that is similar to my own natural style. And so. Let me say it like this. On the opposite side of that, I can't listen to people like a Stephen Furtick. Stephen's a great communicator, but his style is so different from my style that if I listen to him, it will challenge me to be not be true to myself. And so for me, it's people like Louis Giglio and Andy Stanley or Bill Hybels. But for you, it may be someone completely different because your style just doesn't match up with those communicators. So find communicators that you respect, but communicators who are also going to teach you things that are consistent with the style of delivery that you have as a communicator. So talk, talk a little bit more about that. Cause you know, especially I think whenever you start to communicate, you know, you start out trying to be, you know, an Andy Stanley or a Craig Rochelle or whoever that may be like, what are some of the, what are some of the things that, you've done and maybe you continue to do to be Brandon. Yes, you learn from Andy, you learn from Bill, you learn from Rick Warren, but what are some of the things that you do to communicate as Brandon? Yeah, I think it starts with just growing in self-awareness. 
you know, there have been times, and I learned this stuff the hard way. There were times where I would hear, you know, a, a John Piper deliver a great talk, and I would try to take some of his concepts and then incorporate them into my message. And I just learned very quickly, like, I am nowhere close to being a John Piper. Um, and when I try to do that, um, it's not genuine. It's um, It requires way too much energy, and it's not nearly as effective. And so I have to just grow in self-awareness and um, and say, you know what, I'm never going to be a John Piper. I'm never going to be like that energetic, charismatic guy like a Stephen Furtick. That's just not who I am. And I have. I've learned that the hard way. Um, but, you know, as I learn who I'm not, I also learn who I am. And I can kind of look at, at who I am in one-on-one -on -one settings and even in small group settings and say, hey, you know, the way I am in one-on-one -on -one settings is probably the way I need to be when I stand on a stage. I don't need to flip a switch as a stage communicator and become someone I'm not. I need to be genuine and true to myself and be exactly who God's created me to be. So there's some things that I've just learned the hard way by trying to be someone I'm not, but then there are also those moments where I can just look at how I naturally interact in one-on-one -on -one settings and in small group settings, and I can try to incorporate that into a stage setting. One of the things that I hear you, without saying it, you're, you, you are saying it, is the need for consistency, not only in your process that you go through throughout the week, and mm -hmm. well as in your evaluation. Talk to us a little bit about how the role that consistency really plays for you as a communicator. Yeah, it's um, it, it's more important than I would like to admit because um, the challenge of, of church leadership is there are some weeks where you have so many challenges thrown at you, it's hard to maintain that consistent work week. Um, you know, you have staff members who leave, you have opportunities that you want to capitalize on, you have people who die or weddings that need to be done. And those are things that don't fall into the normal rhythm. And what can happen is it can begin to eat away at that 10-step process that I try to go through every week. And so I've just learned the hard way that um, that when that happens, um, my, my end product is not going to be all that I want it to be or all that God wants it to be. So I have to protect my calendar. I've got to leverage teammates. Um, like this week was a very busy week for me. And so in the research phase, I asked one of my staff members if they could give me some background on the book of Galatians as we start a new series on that book of the Bible. So I've got to lean into other people so that I don't shortchange that, those important steps of the process so that I can maintain as much consistency as possible. So what would you say would be like some of the biggest lessons you've learned from being a communicator? Yeah. Uh, one, I would say you have to put in the hard work. Um, to Todd's point earlier, it requires some consistency. Um, you can't take shortcuts. And I would just encourage communicators who are listening, don't steal other people's messages. Um, I think it, it's uh, the process that really allows God to not only teach us on a personal level, um, but it creates conviction in our heart as we actually go to communicate it to other people so that it can impact their lives. And so put in the hard work. Don't take shortcuts. You know, be consistent and committed to the process. Secondly, um, I would say that developing a talk is a team sport. 
Um, I think one of the mistakes a lot of communicators make is we go and we sit in our office all by ourselves. And so we, if we do that, we're going to have a real limit in terms of the, the quality of the product that we're able to produce. And so I would invite other people to be a part of that, people who will engage in conversation with you, people who will give you feedback, people who will help you think creatively, people who will help you develop slide content. I mean, it really is a team sport. And so the more people that you can evolve in the process, I think the better the product will be. And then the third and maybe final thing that I've learned from being a communicator is that it's ultimately my job to share truth that will help people, not impress people. And so I think sometimes as a communicator, you, you really want people to like you. Um, you want to say something that impresses them. But ultimately, at the end of the day, my greatest job as a communicator is to share truth that will help people, not just impress people. And so those are some of the things that, that I've learned over the course of being a communicator. And I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot more in the years ahead. Well, Brandon, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. If if people want to hear some of your messages or if they want to learn more from you, you know, where can they find you? Yeah, you can hop on our website. It's uh, mosaicgc at I'm sorry, it's mosaicgc.com, or you can hop on our Facebook page and we have all of our message content there. Love for you to check it out. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us today, Brandon. Yep. Happy to do it. My biggest takeaway, just after listening to Brandon talk, is that speaking, communicating, isn't just about the event where you're communicating and speaking at. It's a lot about the process and the work that goes into it during the week. Um, It's it's being prayerful. It is studying. It's equipping yourself and doing the hard work of being diligent throughout the week so that whenever you do get on stage, when you do have your platform, that you're able to deliver something that people can use. And so as I just listen to Brandon, I just see so much the process, the hard work that goes in before you ever speak. Now, on the next episode, we're going to be talking with the lead pastor of Citizens Akron, James Talbert. And James is going to be talking about, you know, the multi-ethnic dynamic that they're trying to create at Citizens Akron Church in Akron, Ohio. The best way to make sure that you don't miss our next episode is by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on the podcast player that you use. If you want to see some of our key takeaways from this episode, check out our show notes. So in the show notes, it's a tool that we give for people to be able to have quick access to quotes, to resources that uh, we may have come up with during the course of the interview, or for you to be able to just catch up on things that were discussed that you may have missed. Um, So to access the show notes to to any episode, all you have to do is go into, on on iTunes or Google Play, go into the description tab, and when you click on that, you'll see a drop-down of that episode where you will be able to access all of our notes there. And it's just something that we give so that you can continue the conversation even after the episode has finished playing. If this podcast has helped you in any way, you can show your appreciation by leaving us a rating or writing review of our podcast on iTunes. You can also show your appreciation by hitting us up on social media. Let us know what you're currently learning right now, whether it be something from the podcast or what you're reading or another podcast that you're listening to. You can do that on our Facebook page. You can do that on our Instagram page. Our handle is at the Learners Corner. 
or hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to talk with you about anything that you're learning at our handle at Learners Podcast. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing.